Morning. Everybody okay? Good. Um, Lynn, I feel like when you came up and did your little singy thing, I mean like angelic thing that you did, yeah? And then when we followed and responded, I'm talking to you as if no one else is in the room, by the way. Um, I felt like in that moment it was exactly what God wanted me to get across to all of us this morning. You know, it's, uh, we're in the Advent season. We're one week in. Um, 29 dream has flown by. Um, it's gone as fast as you can imagine. And interestingly, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last, I think, months for me, personally, speaking to various different people, it's just clear that the pace is picking up. It's not slowing down. It's going faster and faster, and people are rushed off their feet. The standard answer of tired is what people give you when you ask them how they are. Busy, those kind of things, me included. And so this morning, what I want us to do during this time together um, is pause. I want us to slow down. I want us to catch our breath. Just like we did when Lynn was singing. I don't know if you got what was happening in that moment, but we paused, didn't we? Lynn was singing and she was reminding us from Scripture about who God really is. She was reminding us about his character. And the only thing that the human heart can do when it hears those beautiful words is respond, isn't it? You just want to stand up and say, Make it, a, make it a good one, John. <laughs> Let's respond with some big words because that's what God deserves. And that's what, I, that's what I want to focus on this morning. Advent, you know, contrary to popular belief, is not just something that comes in the shape of, I guess, cardboard boxes that have perforated windows. And every other day you have a different Paw Patrol or... Barbie or lint chocolate behind it so that you can keep eating them and make your way all the way to the special place when you get the big present, which is hidden under the tree. That's not what Advent... Oh, I mean, if you're not into chocolate, there's always this. That's the duck egg blue, if you don't mind me um, being so, so very personal. The duck egg blue Tiffany Advent calendar, which has a piece of jewelry behind each of those perforated windows available at Harrods in London for, um, for two million rand, for those people who don't want to go with a little chocolate thing and who really obviously love their wives more than makes sense. Um, the, the, the two, I mean, I love my wife a lot, but there's, there's just no way I'm spending two million rand on 24 days for a duck egg blue container. Anyway, Advent in all seriousness, is this season um, observed by Christian churches around the world. And it's, it's a time of, and listen to these words, it's a time that is supposed to be expectant waiting. There's a difference between waiting. How many of you live close to Sun Valley, Sunnydale, and th there's roadworks there, right? Eh? Have you seen the roadworks? 
And even without, I'm not trying to bring the tone down. I know we're, we're thinking happy thoughts this morning. John has said it. You know, everybody's, we prayed about happy thoughts. Before. I'm, just, I'm just using an example, okay? There's roadworks where I live. And even without any load shedding or anything, during the day, in the middle of it, there's chaos there. And I've waited for 25 minutes coming down Okaab Savach just to cross a single traffic light. That's, that's not the kind of waiting I'm talking about. This is waiting with expectation because we know something amazing is about to happen on the 25th. This amazing reminder. That's, that's the season of Advent. It's not, it's not the Sun Valley, Sunnydale, Okaab Savach kind of annoying waiting. It's the, it's the waiting, the preparation, the getting your heart ready kind of waiting. That's the kind of expectant waiting that I'm talking about that Christian churches like ours observe during this season. That's why the four Sundays leading up to Christmas are absolutely crucial Sundays. They, they massive Sundays in our diary because they represent the four key biblical themes that came to their fulfillment on the day of Jesus' birth. That's what they represent. They're not just four ordinary Sundays. They're not just four more days in the calendar. They represent the four key pillars, faith, hope, peace, and love. And it's important for us to make sure that we pause and that we take our time and that we remind ourselves of what this is all about. It's why we put on carol services. It's why we try to have other fun events and truckloads of carols and all sorts of stuff through the season. It's not just so that we can fill the already very full bursting calendar with more things to do. It all is meant to shape our hearts and steer our focus in this one direction to help us in our expectant waiting to get us ready for the grand prize again on Christmas Day. That's what it's all meant to do. It's meant to refocus our sights on the pillars of our faith, which is the only thing that ultimately really matters, isn't it? And that's why I think it's an important thing for us to do this morning, to just pause. It's an important thing to do throughout this season, what Lynn helped us do. Just refocus our sights on the one who's worthy of it all. Take a deep breath remind ourselves why this is the most important month in our calendar. When John first chatted to me about this theme of the wonders of his love, we were sitting in his lounge, and as, as he said, what do you think? The first thing that dropped into my heart was the word origins. And then I got really excited. And then as I started getting myself ready and started praying, I felt nothing. And God just helped me wait. And I realized only yesterday, it took me quite a while. Sometimes I take long to learn things. But I realized only yesterday that what God was wanting me to do personally is experience this thing about waiting and pausing myself. So that when I bring it this morning, that there'd be something, and that's what I'm trusting for, for every single busy person in this building, that there would be something that you catch off what I've caught over the last few weeks about stilling yourself and getting out of your busyness so that you could hear from God and so that you could see his wonders 
in a new way, so that you could be amazed by him again, so that you could be bowled over, so that your breath could be taken away again, so that your knees could wobble at the sight of his beauty. We're not going to go very wide. We're just going to zoom in this morning. Just zoom in. That's the only thing I'm trying to achieve. We're going to return or revisit, if you will, just the foundations of the Christian faith. So I want to spend our time coming back to the heart of what this is all about. I want to spend our time coming back to why this was all originally set in motion and trust that it genuinely shapes our focus, not just for December, but that it shapes our focus for the bigger picture of the gospel. It's, it's, it always sounds like an excuse, and I hate it when preachers start off with excuses. So it's going to sound like excuse, but it really isn't. I just want to state, state this. This is a very, very, very simple message. But it's very, very, very it is profoundly important for us to make sure that these words settle in our hearts this morning because this is what it's all about. So what does the wonders of his love really mean? Is it just a line in one of the carols that we sing or is there something more to it all? I want to start by looking at the definition of wonder Lennon, you'll be very proud of me from the English Oxford Living Dictionary. That's where I went for my, um, is there anywhere else to go for the meaning of life? Nope. And there's wonder. It's a mass noun, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I don't even know what that means. But below that is an explanation. It says, it's this feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, something remarkable, and I love this bit in the, in the context of why Jesus died. I love this last bit. A feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something unfamiliar. Even for people, even for you today, if you are far away from God and you're trying to find your way back to him and he's unfamiliar in so many ways to you, in his great kindness, he is going to show himself this season to people again and as he does even if he's unfamiliar and far away he's going to do something in your heart if you'll if you'll allow him he'll do something in your heart that'll make you be amazed you'll stand amazed you you will genuinely feel that like the day i remember the day i saw my wife come in um we were at worship practice and she was walking in and I genuinely felt my knees go. You know that feeling when someone is just so beautiful, they just take your whole breath away. He's going to do that for people. Here's my prayer. Not only this morning, but continually. Not only during December, but as we continue, day in, day out, month in, month out, as we pause as we read little bits of scripture, as we sing bits of scripture out loud, for those of us who don't like singing when other people can hear us in the shower or wherever, that those moments of doing those things, those worship moments, 
those talking about God to friends or family so we are reminded ourselves, even as we share his goodness with others, that we will find ourselves utterly blown away, totally amazed and standing, standing as it's described there, in complete admiration of his love for us and that others will experience that same sense through our lives. That's my prayer. So I'm going to read some verses together. First John, chapter 4. John um, is, is known as the apostle of love. So if you want to understand a little bit of the wonders of God's love, can I encourage you, read the stuff John writes. It's really, really gorgeous. I'm just going to read a six verses or so. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Remember that. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might, might have eternal life through him. And this is real love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's rich, isn't it? That's six verses, and we could spend hours talking about it. We could preach, I don't know, countless sermons. We could go on forever and forever. This is just incredible. The entire passage just bursts with expression about the love of God. And what John is trying to get you and me to notice here is that not only is love something God does. Not only is it, I love you, Dorothy, so you can feel it. Not only is love something that God does, but love is the very thing that God is. Let's just pause for a moment. Why don't we close our eyes, if you don't mind, for just a second. Let me say that again. Love is not just something God does so that we can experience it. In his very nature, God is love. So for me, the first thing, you can open, open your eyes again if you want. The first thing that causes this feeling of amazement and admiration when I think about the wonders of his love is that God alone loves in completeness and in perfection. Isn't it amazing? God is standalone, one of a kind, and the truth of his nature is worth pausing over so we can take it all in. I want to encourage you, Later today, during the course of this week, why don't you just take a moment, take a deep breath, and just say these words to yourself. God, in his very nature, is love. I promise you, the more you do that over and over and over and over, 
It'll take your breath away again and again and again, whether this is brand new information or whether you've heard it a thousand times. God, the one who exists outside of time and space, the one who has always been, the one from whom everything as we know it has its origin. See? See what I did there with that word? Origin, I brought it back in just as a reminder to myself, and now I'm telling you that I'm reminding myself. This guy, in his very nature, is love. Think about him for a moment. Think about him in eternity. In eternity, perfect in his existence, not needing anything, complete in his love, and utterly satisfied in his love, all by himself, not needing anyone or anything to make it more perfect. And then something stirs within him, and he says, I'm going to make a few things. I'm going to create. I'm going to speak. And stuff is going to happen. Let me read some verses. Okay, so we've, we've heard that God is love, right? It wasn't just me saying it. I've quoted it from the Bible. There was that verse there that said, God is love. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to replace the word God for just a second. I'm not rewriting the Bible in case the theologians among us are getting worried. Just replacing the word God with love because it's the same thing. In, this is Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of love hovered over the surface of the waters. And then love said... Let there be light. And there was light. And love saw that the light was good. And then love separated the light from the darkness. And love called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came. And it marked the first day. In the beginning there was love. And love said, let there be. And there was and love saw that it was good, and love marked the end of that first day, and then the next day, love said, let there be, and there was, and love looked again, and love saw that it was good, and love marked the second day, and love kept doing that over and over, love kept speaking, love kept creating, the origin of everything came from this position, this being who in his very nature is love. Love said, let there be, and there was, let there be, and there was, and he was happy about it, he was joyful about it, he was excited about it, every single day for six days, and then on the seventh day, love said, this is all very good, and love was very happy about it all. And then he rested, and he blessed that day, the seventh day, and he told us all, do yourselves a favor. Do the same. This season is not meant to be about the glorious big rush and about spending lots of money. It's not about advent calendars. It's not about chocolates. It's not about the decorations, and all those things are really beautiful and exciting, 
and we should enjoy them if we have the privilege to do so. This season is about reminding ourselves that there was a seventh day when love said, take a break. Enjoy everything that was good. Enjoy me. So with the word of his mouth, the cosmos was born. The angels, the stars, the moon, the sun, the planets, and earth. The one that loads of people are fighting for at the moment. We're starting to use bamboo straws and things like that to make sure that this earth can keep going. And then he speaks the features of this world into existence and he populates it with living things, plants, birds, animals, insects, a man and a woman. And for me, the second thing that causes my breath to be taken away and for me to stand in amazement and for me to stand in absolute admiration is the fact that not only was this God totally complete and totally satisfied in the fact that he was totally okay with himself just being there in that position of love, but he thought, I want to do something else. And then the origins of everything find themselves in this very nature of this person from a position of love. Not only is this God who we've been singing about and celebrating this morning, love, but every tiny bit of detail of everything that you and I know, everything that exists to mankind, and all the things that we are yet to discover, and all the things that we will never have enough technology for, never a big enough spaceship to send a big enough thing to see far enough into space, all those things that we will never uncover all of those things had its origins in this God of love. And so when I think about the wonders of his love, I think not only was he okay with himself, he took the time to make all of that because of his love. Next time you feel the rain on your skin, next time you drink orange juice, Next time you read a blog about space, or next time you listen to David Attenborough's voice on the Discovery Channel telling you something that blows your mind and you wish you had his job. Remember, all of it was created by love. And when you do, pause, take a deep breath and stand amazed and praise him. And you know what's amazing? It wasn't enough. For this God of love, it wasn't enough. He never intended to just create and then watch and see what happens from a distance, even though it would have been totally okay if he did. It would have been totally perfect if he did. Because he, in his very nature, is love. He always intended to interact with us. God is love. And God, in his love, made all of us 
and all of this stuff around us. And that same God pursues you and me and wants to have relationship with you and me and wants to know us. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Isn't that mind-blowing? He wants to be in close proximity. You know, Dave, my homie, can you stand up and help me, please? So I, I, go to, I go to Istanbul. I used to. I haven't gone this last year, but I go to Istanbul a lot. And when guys share deep friendship, like never in South Africa, right? No, we are, we bry. We are okay with this, this proximity is lacking here. We don't come close, yeah? We are men. There's a line. But not there. There, when you are close to someone, when you have love for them, when you have, when you have, when you respect them, you walk the streets like this. Wherever you go. And I'm a, I'm a touchy-feely person, so I actually don't mind if I'm, if I'm totally honest with you. So, thanks, Dave. We're in. Dave, Dave, Dave's, Dave's totally into that kind of thing also. Can we give Dave a hand? But you know, this very thing, this very thing of someone wanting to, you, you walk the streets and men are holding hands. And, and you're not sure. You're not sure what's going on. Why are they holding hands? What's the deal? And you know what? Nothing funny is going on. Nothing that wasn't part of God's original plan isn't, is, is going on there. They are just, we're in close proximity. We're hanging out. We're holding hands. We're expressing love. And this God, the God who is love, the God who made you and me, the God who made the stars and the planets, that God loves you and me so much, he wants to hang out. He wants to hold you. He wants to cuddle. He wants to be close. He's the dad that says, come and sit on my lap. He's the dad that says, I always have time. Sometimes I'm too busy. And sometimes I genuinely am, because we all are, aren't we? Dad, can you pass? It's the first sentence from my son's mouth every single day. Since the World Cup, it's worse, isn't it? He comes into the bedroom. He's, he's barely awake with his rugby ball. Dad, can you pass or are you busy? Dad, can you pass? Ask Dave, ask every other older guy in the church who's been remotely close to us. Dad, can you pass, Dave? Can you, Dave, can you pass? Nathan, stop interrupting. Me. Dad, he just wants to be. He just wants to be close. God is like that. Always has time to pass. Always has time to listen. And this great love causes him to pursue us day and night, round the clock, in the good times and in the bad times. When we are at our very best, he's right there in a relentless pursuit of us. In our good times and in our moments of weakness, there he is, everybody. Come in to just grab a, just a little bit of water. Hello, my lovely boy. Come in to grab a bit of water. Probably just someone else is passing out there, aren't they? Someone needs a little breather. That was totally not planned, but how lovely that that worked out. In our moments of weakness and when we mess up, 
and we do our own thing. When we are faithless, as the Bible describes it, if we are, when we are utterly thinking only about ourselves, do you know what this God is? 2 Timothy 2.13. He's right there. Faithful. Committed. Wanting to be close. Wanting to express his love. His perfect love to you and me. When we do the same stupid thing as Emma Jane so beautifully described in the video, when we do the same stupid thing over and over and over again, his love is patient and kind, and it suffers long just as, we're, uh, as we've read it in 1 Corinthians 13. And when we finally realize the mess we're in, and we totally regret it, and we worry about the consequences, especially those of us who are Afrikaans, because we understand the full wrath of punishment when you know when you do something wrong or step out of line or look at someone or don't call them uncle or auntie we understand that there's real consequences so some of us have a deeper understanding of this than others but nevertheless we all understand that when we've messed up badly 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 and we know that there's consequences coming even then he's ready to take our burden away because 1 John 4:18 says that his perfect love casts away all fear. If you keep looking, this love has an answer for every one of your single questions, every single one of your questions. Here's how he did it. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So for me, the third thing that causes this feeling of amazement and admiration is that this God of love pursues me and you with everything he's got. And then, beyond that point, he keeps going and he takes the fear away. And beyond that point, he keeps being kind and keeps being patient as I keep messing up. And beyond that point, he rescues. He paid a price. He died in my place so that I don't have to die. And he sustains all the way into the future. He sustains me. In God's incredible plan, from all the way before time, he knew that he would create countless different things and he would create it in love. And right at the heart of all of that was us. It was human beings. He wanted to create us. Because of his great love, just for us, he knew he would pursue us. And he knew he would pursue us despite his foreknowledge of what we would be like. Doesn't it make you realize just in the teeniest way how deep and unfathomable his amazing love is. He knew we were going to mess it up. He knew we were going to do it again and again and again. He knew we would abandon him. He knew at the first opportunity we would go to the better party. And yet, he still chose to love with a relentless love. And this for me, you know, just breaking the standard 
Baptist mold of three points. I'm going to go for four today. As if this is not mind-blowing enough, he goes one step further. He invites you and me to do the very same thing. Us, imperfect in all of our ways, this God of love invites Jono, Sydney, Nathan, basically just the three of us, <laughs> Check it out. It's the last section of the first few verses we read. 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Dear friends, isn't it amazing that he calls us friends? That's enough to just pause for the, mo- for the morning and marvel over in, in itself. Since God loved us that much, So every time you pause and every time you pray and every time you think and every time you reconsider what his love is like and you get a new revelation or you understand something in a deeper way, this is what the Bible says. It says, since you've now discovered again how much God loves us, we surely also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. You and I, you and I get the chance to make the invisible God visible through the way we love. Are your your knees wobbling? Think about yourself. Not the story you would tell everybody else your true self, who you are when no one sees you, think about that self. With all your flaws and imperfections, perfectly loved by God, but with all your flaws and imperfections, isn't it amazing that he says he will use Josh to love someone so much that someone else will see the invisible God be made visible? It's beautiful. The creator God in whom all things have their origins, the one who wraps himself in light, the one who stretches out the stars like a curtain, desires that you and I, not only in this season, this season of expectant waiting, this season of preparation, but as long as we have grace to live, we'll put him on display. And that we would do so by the way we love one another. In other words... Do whatever it takes for other people to have as much of God as what they can possibly have. When you don't feel like loving, love. Do whatever it takes so that someone else may have as much of God as they could possibly have. So that they can also say, oh, the wonders of his love. This God wants us to love on other people in such a way that they would know him, that they would say, God is love. Or as the carol, Joy to the World, says it, he rules the world kindly, with lots of patience, with truth, and with grace. We could add Tons of our own words, I'm 
sure, and makes the nations prove. He uses us. It's not just, it's not just something that someone wrote down there. He makes the nations prove. You and me and people from all around the world get the chance to love other people. And as we do, we, the nations, prove. We prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And the wonders of his love. And the wonders and the wonders of his love. So as you sit in your house, or as you go visit your friends, or as you walk through the mall and you see the decorations and the Christmas tree and you know the 25th is coming, pause. May it remind you and me to pause. May it remind us that God is love. And may it remind us that he loved us so much that he made us. And may it remind us that not only did he make us, he knew we were going to mess up, and he loved us so much that he sent the only important thing to him, his own son, to rescue us. And may it remind us that not only that, but he wants to use us to put his love on display. Reflect on peace, reflect on love, reflect on hope, reflect on joy, and experience God in fresh ways so that others may experience God through you. I just want to pray over us. Can I ask you to bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, uh, we, we find, ourselves, find ourselves amazed just by listening to what Lynn sang over us from the scriptures. We, we stand amazed, we admire, we want to respond, God, for every bit of new revelation or every bit of reminder. We find our hearts beating fast that this God of love would pursue us with a relentless love and rescue us and sustain us. It's amazing. I want to pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 17 over us, God. We come to you today and ask that same thing. Show us the wonders of your great love. And cause us to see more and more of you all around us. May we be more and more amazed, God. And would you fill us with the power of the Spirit that we may love others in such a way that we will make the invisible God visible to them. And that they would find themselves amazed at something 
beautiful, something other. In Jesus' name, amen.